All right, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I'm your host, Caleb Nelson. I forgive, or I forgive, I hope you can all forgive me for taking so much time off. I had a little month away, some vacations, and my beautiful, wonderful, fantastic guest today also was patient with me in terms of being able to reschedule. So I thank you for that. I'd love to welcome Christina Boschman to the episode. Thank you so much, Caleb. I was looking forward to this today. I'm excited for it. Likewise, I've been looking forward to it all week. Now, I love to start off every single episode telling my guests why I appreciate them, namely because I don't think we tell each other in this world why we like why we love each other. There's all we could. Everybody tells each other why they're upset with things, but why don't we spend more time saying why we appreciate each other? And that's true. I don't remember everything we talked about on our first chat, but Mm -hmm. all I can remember is how you made me feel. I felt this warmth, this love, this, this like nurturing nature. I mean, obviously the coach in you comes out through that, but like, you can't fake that. There's such real, such realness to that. And we share this like very deep moment. And if I do remember, I think I was having like a strange day and just our conversation just put this like peace over me. And I always really just appreciate people who have this calming, subtle, just like loving nature about them. And that's just like, it's part of who they are. And I just really appreciate about that about you. And I, I like just, you're so open in the conversation. I think we had it for like a half hour. We ended up talking for like an hour. And it was just <laughs> such, so beautiful. It's like, I was, that's why I was so excited for today. So that's why I'm so excited for, to share, you know, your, your story and your vision and, and what you do with people today, because I think you, we need more people like you in the world. That's what I think. So oh, that's, very, that's so nice of you to say. That's very sweet. Yeah. I really enjoyed meeting you too on the first call because you have a very similar vibe. It's all about just putting love out into the universe. Yeah, um, I agree. So to this effect, you know yourself better than I do. Mm-hmm. So who are you? I always tell people that I am, I'm, I set myself up as a little kid to be a Renaissance woman. Ooh. Yeah. When I was in the third grade, our, my teacher, her name was Mrs. Kruger. She was talking about a true Renaissance man. And as she was talking about it, she said, it's somebody who understands science and math and philosophy and business and poetry and music and on and on and on. And as she was talking, I was getting so excited. And I remember raising my hand up and her calling on me and saying, can I be a true Renaissance man, even if I'm a girl? And she said, absolutely you can be anything you want to be so as the years went by I've done different things in life and like I went to school for political science because my father was a republican and my mother was a democrat and I wanted to understand politics and how all the systems worked and um and then I got interested in economics and got a job working for a entrepreneur who was a startup entrepreneur. And um, I worked with him for 12 years, I think. And during that period of time, I had learned to do some accounting with my dad in his business because he was an entrepreneur as well as a farmer. 
And so this company needed somebody, but they couldn't afford to pay anybody a lot of money, right? So I said, I'll learn it. I know how to do some of this stuff. So as the years went by, we went, you know, across the United States, then we went into Mexico, then we went into Brazil, then we went into Europe. And in each location, I said, I can figure it out. It's not rocket science. You know, it's not like it's ever been done, never been done. So when I decided my kids were growing up without me, you know, like I had a, I'm also a singer songwriter. So I had a moment and my first CD project was called Coming Into Focus because I had this moment of I only have one opportunity to raise my kids, but I have the rest of my life to build another career. And I was single at the time. And I just said, you know what? I have to do this. And I had saved enough money that it wasn't going to be a big issue for a year or more. If I didn't work, I would be okay. And I sat down and started looking at myself and saying, well, what do you want to do in your life? And I was like, you know, like I said, I'm a singer songwriter. I was doing that. I was working all the time in writing. I was in business. I was doing all this. And I said to somebody, I said, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. And then I had that moment. I'm doing exactly what I said I wanted to do, which was be a Renaissance woman, learning all these things, doing all these things. So I finally started a small business services company. You know, I took some time off, started a small business services company, did that for years. Through that, I got interested in digital advertising. And we were like one of the first digital advertising um, companies in the world. I kind of uh, bought into a piece of that and we started this whole thing. And then I had this, I kept saying, I want to write a book. I've always wanted to write a book. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I decided to step away from both businesses and take the time to write the book. And from there, that's when my life went down another whole path because I got so interested in neuro-linguistics programming because I saw what it did for me and how it could help other people. Cause it really is about learning how to believe in yourself, learning how to have a positive mindset, really learning the science behind why people struggle with that mindset thing. And, um, and I wrote the book and I self-published it in 2018 started working with a woman who has a breaking business because I was out doing workshops. I was finding as people started talking about their stories, they would get to a point where they would start to get upset. My father, my father, you know, or whatever it was. And I said, I need to find something to help them kind of like break through this stress. And I was talking to another friend about it. And she said, you need to meet my friend, Jackie. She just started a mobile smash room. So she and I got together and I said, I have this idea. And what do you think about working together? Like we could do a, you know, have a collaboration. And we put together a program called Breakthrough, Reveal, Release, Reclaim. And we were out doing exactly what I wanted to do. And then COVID hit. So what do we do? You know, like everybody else, like we're working with groups, we're working with big groups and lots of people. And the first couple of months, I was like, jeepers, you know, I don't know what to do. And right at the same time, I got a call from an agent that had read my book and wanted to pitch it to a traditional publisher. 
And I thought, whoa, that would be fantastic. And right there, I started telling everybody it got picked up because I learned that if you totally believe something's going to happen, it does. And then I started writing online programs because I thought, well, I have all this time. I have all this material. I have all this insight because I love neuroscience and I started studying so much of it. And um, so I put together the online programs. And then when things started to open up a little bit again, and we could finally start getting out, I got my first shot at a big corporation to do a big corporate program. So I said, okay, what am I going to do? And I came up with an idea and I pitched it and they loved it. So I did that um, two weeks ago, I think. I have a uh, big commercial tent in my backyard where so people can come here and not be worrying. There's lots of fresh air and sunshine and everything. So I did... I did that. So it's kind of where I am right now is I do work as a certified um, neurolinguistics practitioner, mindset coach. And I also still teach voice lessons because I was a voice coach for a long time. And I, that's something that I absolutely love to do. And as a matter of fact, one of my previous voice students just came back and she said, could you teach me how to play the guitar? You know what? I can. So I'm doing that too. And I, so I said, just what I, that's why I say, you know, when I realized that I was doing exactly what I told myself in the third grade that I wanted to do, I said, life is crazy. You know, when you, when you get an idea, like for me anyway, I get an idea in my head and I'm like, how do I, you know, like basically what will it take for me to actually make this happen? to bring it into being rather than just saying, I, I really want to do this. And I have a sign on my wall over here that says, don't wish for it, work for it. So, and it's just a bit like being motivated and saying, I can learn a little bit more about this and I can learn a little bit more about that. And, you know, and then somebody will say, well, you know, I'm really struggling with, you know, this or that. And, oh, okay. Well, you know, I can help with that because I have this piece too. And people are always looking at me, how do you know this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I love uh, to read. I love to learn. So that's kind of where I've been in my life. And, you know, every day I wake up and I just figure every day is a gift and we really need to do the best that we can with it. That might be one of my favorite answers to that. <laughs> to my, I only have like, three or to five basic questions I always ask. Mm -hmm. And that might be one of my favorite ones. And yeah. I've never, I've never had one person like say like, you know what? I wanted to be a Renaissance man or woman. Mm -hmm. And there's a few different things that popped up in my head there. So you use three very powerful words, Renaissance, mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And then of course, then we talk, I've completely blew over this, but it, seems very fitting to cover come back to it right now but your last name i told you this when we had our first meeting i was like best best name hands down for a coach ever now these are all french words so anybody who know, doesn't know this that's listening i speak french and all those things stick out for me so let's start with the last name as a coach beau means mm -hmm. beautiful path beautiful journey yep somebody who's on a journey with a coach you're taking them on this beautiful journey. 
renaissance means rebirth. And right. everything you said was so interesting to me of like, it's almost like this completely left turn on where you're going with like, uh, how does like singer songwriter attach to accountant to attach to this, to attach to like, <laughs> what the heck? Right. Entre- entrepreneurship, obviously, but entre means within, you know, and, and between in, in certain, cer- certain cases. And obviously you've taken that, that notion to the fullest extent of like, a lot of people think it, it gets taught, caught up in the, when we, I like to think more of the entrepreneurial mindset to own and to, to grow and to be own the position and like to, to grow within your position. You, you, you grasp these opportunities as life presented them to you. And here you are at this place where you have the ability to pivot and to see opportunity in times where many others crumble because they didn't really look at themselves as adaptable and capable of this rebirth and to rewrite their story or to start from a new and because so many people get caught up in identity and there was Mm -hmm. one thing that you brought up like right in the beginning which i'd love to really cover come back to that i think is massively powerful in terms of your ability that the two different spectrums i heard you go back and forth between was this what I would call more like the, the, the masculine energy, we'll call it the math, the science, the, that, and then the, the mm-hmm. feminine, the art, the music, the, the love, the, the coaching, like that type of sensitivity. But what you said first was your father was a Republican, your mother was a Democrat. And I mean, this right. day and age where, you know, we're not gonna go down the pol- political rabbit hole because that's a whole nother ball of wax. Right. But what I thought was so profound was that you had that example of two opposing, or let me change that, seemingly opposing ideologies coexisting. It's not Mm -hmm. necessarily either or. How can both symbiotically and peacefully coexist? And, you know, I would posit that potentially that that idea that you were able to see both of those things at the same time live in, I'm going to assume, harmony in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. probably laid the foundation for your ability to grab, like, navigate the rest of your life of being like, okay, cool, like, there's another way. Oh, and then there's another way. Like, the, the open-mindedness when presented with obstacles to say, well, like, this sounds like the better strategy given where I'm at. And then you hit it again. Let me pivot. Oh, the other side might be the better strategy. I just, there was so much in that story <laughs> that just like, boom, blew off the page to me. I brought it all up. I don't know what just resonated with you, but I, just, I would love to hear your thoughts and anything I just brought out to light. Well, I think that what you're saying is, is very cool because especially starting with the name, right? Um, my current husband, when I first met him, I was divorced and and I talk about all of that in this book, you know, like that, that coming to this place, like I was the common denominator. So I had really looked inside of myself because I said, I don't want to leave this earth without having a successful relationship. I had always been good in business and, but I struggled in close personal relationships. So when I met him, 
And I started to really like him. Like, we're just super, super, we're complete and total opposites. Talk <laughs> about people who should be fighting and battling it out all the time. And we always just joke about it. It's like, well, of course you feel that way because I feel this way. And we just laugh about it, you know? So when he asked me to marry him, I was sort of like, I think I'm going to change my name because I had found out that Boshaman meant beautiful road. And I thought to myself, I have been down such a crooked and sometimes incredibly difficult path that has put me on such a beautiful road. And I want to take that name and I want to hold it close because it's, it's just so cool that I find myself in this position. And I'm just talking about just me, you know, not us together to just kind of be in a place where all these pieces fell into place that my last name would end up meaning beautiful road, beautiful journey. And because I think to myself, that's what it's all about, man. You know, and it's like, you know, I've had some really hard times in my life. Everybody does. I have struggled. I've done all the same stuff that everybody else has done with all the self-doubt and not good enough and everything that happens. And, you know, coming out on the other side of it to be in this place of I, I am, I am me, you know, source power, whatever that is, God, whatever name you use, put me here to be this person. And what a beautiful gift to get a point in your life where you just accept who you are. And it's not like, well, I don't make any excuses because believe me, I've had to do a lot of changing. I had, I used to have a very, um, I always joke, I go, I'm a Sagittarian, which means I'm very direct, you know, when I speak. And sometimes stuff flies out of my mouth and I'll be like, I didn't mean to say that. Did did that actually come out of my mouth? So I had to really kind of work on myself to to kind of come to a place where I could be, where I would stop before I said something and consider who I'm talking to before. Because some people like Jackie and I, the woman that I work with, we're both super direct. And neither one of us ever gets hurt feelings about anything that the other one does. It's just like, we're both so similar that it's like, ah, that's all right. She's just having a bad day. Oh, ah, that's all right. You know, it's like everybody gets rude once in a while. It's all good. So, but so many people don't take things that way. So to be in a, in a place where I could stop my mouth first and then just think, you know, it only takes a second and then say something from the heart rather than the first thing that popped into my head. And I think that's for me, very important. And I was really proud of myself when I realized I had gotten to that point where I could do that. So, and it really was coming to a heart place rather than just, you know, especially the work that I used to do, you know, when you're talking about working, doing accounting and financial business where for what turned into a multinational company and it was it's all about the numbers and it's all about using the analysis and saying okay well where do we go from here where's the path you know these are where the holes are you know how do we do this 
to be able to take that energy. And I always tell people it really is like taking the energy and physically moving it into the heart space because and answering from here rather from here. Because that's where the quick stuff, that's where the crappy stuff, that's where that comes from. You know, when we are, we're just using our quick thought and we say something rude or not nice or cruel or, you know, whatever. Sometimes when things come out of our mouth or out of other people's mouths and we're like, oh, I can't believe you just said that, you know, it usually comes from the head rather than the heart. Well, certainly your experiences flowing between both of those places, right? The accounting world and all that. It's a very, uh, in my experience, it's been with a lot of like practitioners, the clinicians, chiros, doctors, things of that nature, all in the head, all like the math. Yeah. My, my, I've been in business partnerships of both ends. One or more like I'm just riding my gut feeling on this. Let's just take it for a ride, see where it goes. And the other side's a lot more planning. We'll organize that. And the clinicians are like, no, oh, it's got to be this way. And there's the dogmas behind that. And it's the rigidity. But what you really sounds like, and what I think is really the most beautiful thing I hear within this as you, as you navigated towards like, I want the most important thing. It comes back to the most important thing, at least in my opinion, it's the relationships. It's the right. who, it's the who we're with at the end of the day. I, and when I'm ever having a really shitty time or like in a fight with my wife, it's like, all I do is like, who's holding my hand on my deathbed? Who's in the room with me? If I'm on like my last couple breaths, Yeah. everything else does not matter at that point. It just goes up oh, back to ground zero. Let's put things in perspective. But with that, like what I heard in your journey of like putting both these things in harmony, and, and when we're looking to find these relationships, I think a lot of people talk about like finding a relationship, but it's not so much about finding a relationship with someone else. It's, it's really like coming to terms with the relationship with yourself. And as, what I heard in your story was navigating both sides of this pendulum and understanding. And that's what I think, like, especially in this world that we live in right now, there's not enough of a willingness and an openness to say, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I want to learn. I want to understand what's going on in here and perhaps here, depending on where you operate from. Like I probably, for me, like I probably is similar to you, like where maybe you lean to, like I lean from like from the heart. Mm -hmm. I, had to, I had to learn in certain relationships how to have to operate more from like a, a planning situation and, and certain roles I play one or the other. Mm -hmm. But the, I think that again, the profound thing was like how you, went through this journey to find within yourself this harmony. And then here was this man that you saw this balance and this counter, like the, the, the right relationship within that. It's almost like when the student is ready, the teacher appears. It's right. that kind of, that kind of beauty within that. I think there's so many people out there that are searching. They're looking for this external validation as opposed to just saying, let me take a look in the mirror. Right. How am I going about this? And I've got to imagine like the, your experiences through, because I'd love to hear a little more about your, your experiences specifically with the NLP, Neuro Linguistic Program, and a lot of people, it gets a weird vibe right now and nowadays because a lot of people get caught up on like using those as like sales tactics and it becomes this, that whole weird thing that comes along with people just trying to like go for a money grab as opposed to how deeply profound it can be for right. changing, your, changing your dialogue with yourself, not trying to manipulate the opposing side, but like 
how do I look at myself? I'd love to, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear your perspective. Yeah, on because, well, because neurolinguistics programming is, it is about looking at yourself. It's all about looking at yourself. And that's why I get confused with the whole, like people say, oh, you're using that for sales tactics. I, I don't get that. I don't understand because from what, what I've learned in neurolinguistics program, and I've learned a lot, it is all about coming to terms with yourself and your own life. And the way that I, I got interested in it is when I wrote my book, I was sharing stories. It started with me sharing stories with a girlfriend. And because originally the, the whole idea of the book was going to be, I've always been a big one. Like, I don't believe that we came here to suffer. I believe we came here to learn. And in so many of my stories, it's like, I love nature so much. I grew up on a big dairy farm and, you know, hundreds of acres and lots of brothers and sisters. I'm just kind of, really understanding that there are so many lessons in nature. So I started writing this book around lessons in nature and I was telling stories like, and then after, and this is what I learned by having that experience, you know, this little stone on the road, you know, ended up meaning this, that, or the other thing. But anyway, as I started writing and sharing the stories, my girlfriend started asking me questions about the stories and kind of, I would always kid her and I'd always say, you're the nosiest person I ever met in my whole life, but I love you. So I will answer your questions. Basically, she kept saying, it's, it's incredible to me that you are, that you're curious and you're not defensive. Like I was curious of what she was looking at that I hadn't seen. And so we were talking about it and they said, we need to come up with like some type of process because this works so well between the two of us. So, you know, we wrote it all down. In the meantime, I started studying a lot about the brain and central nervous system because I was like, this is incredible. This stuff is all in our brains and it's in our central and it's just reactions. And that's why people snap rather than going, wait a second, because that's what they've been doing since they were kids, or that's what they saw in their families. So when I wrote down the whole process, and then I was studying all this neuroscience, I, I came across neurolinguistics programming, I was looking for, I don't even remember what I was looking for. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, when I started digging into it, I said, that's exactly what she and I did. Hmm. Oh, my gosh, like the whole process. And so then I went and I went and got certified in it. And the more that I dug into it, like I'm finishing up my master, the more that I dig into it, the more that I learn even about myself, because that's what it is. It is for the way I use it. It's to help people understand themselves so that they can operate in the world from a place of believing in themselves and from a place of believing that anything is possible and from a place of understanding that we happen to react to our perceptions, not to reality, you know? And there's like all of these things that we, you know, we should really be taught this stuff starting in elementary school and reminded every year as we're going up, people would have 
so much better lives. Because as I dug in more and more, one of the things that I learned, number one, there's something like 85% of people of the population suffer with low self-esteem. 80 to 85% of our thought and behavior patterns are already in place by the time we're seven. Mm. Yeah, so if you stop and think about all that, because that's what I was discovering, you know, as I was digging into these stories and looking at it and saying, whoa, that all came. Like I was always somebody who looked just looked for the good in everybody, no matter how terrible they were, no matter what they did to me, that's okay because I see this shining light in you. And I was able to, by digging into those stories, figure out the exact moment. Cause it was like this played like a video on my head all the time. This, this thing that happened when I was nine years old where I just made a decision and I always, I've just always had a very um, strong faith in the creator and the divine that there's something way bigger than us. And, and in that moment, I felt that that being was there with me. And the message that I took away from it was to look for the beauty in people. And, you know, so neuro-linguistics programming helped me get in there and say, whoa, that's why that's playing on my head in the loop. I needed to look at that and understand this. And by understanding it, suddenly there's like a detachment from it. And it is so fascinating to me how that detachment happens, how that pattern was broken by understanding that story and understanding the root of that story and how that all played out in my life, you know, moving forward into my life. So that's why to me, it's just an incredibly powerful thing. And every time I hear anything negative about it, I'm like, I mean, I get why people, because they're, they're reacting from their perception. They don't know the reality. They don't understand what it's actually all about. So I think that was kind of a long answer to your question, but I think I answered it. Well, I thought it was really powerful. And what I took from that final uh, path you took us down there at the end, when you brought up the word detachment, what the word that came to my mind, as you said, that was like, you can become an observer. Yes. And with that detachment, the emotion, and then I would even go one step further, identifying with, we're going to call it what it is, trauma, pain, mm -hmm. su suffering. You used the word yourself there. Yep. You can free yourself of that. You are not one with it. You are now observing it for what it is. It becomes a circumstance and a part of a story that you don't have to continue on with. You don't have to carry it on your back and your shoulder. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, well, that's the moment of liberation. It's the moment of freedom when you just let go of that baggage. And I can see why that'd be so empowering for somebody who's not even aware that they're carrying, you know, even if it's a one pound weight, you've been carrying it for decades. Well, it's exhausting. Well, see, this is the thing, because I always told people, right, I was so lucky. I had the best life growing up. 
I had eight brothers. I had two sisters. I grew up on a big dairy farm with all this acreage and all this wonderful woods. And we had the best like little caves and everything because it was limestone. I was always outside and I was always doing all this stuff. So to understand, to start to dig into and to understand the things that had been holding me back in my entire life were rooted in the stories that kept popping into my head. You know, the ones like you'll have something and just out of the sky blue, suddenly I would see myself sitting by the creek with the willow tree, right? And I would think to myself, yeah, that was a very special spot, you know? And, um, and, and why, why was that? Because I was trying to get away from the madness in my house. So, you know, and, and when you start looking at, okay, so what was that madness? What was the root of that madness? You're like, what was going on? And through the course of the whole thing, I was able to go back to my dad because in order to publish this book, right, I had to get him to sign off. And he admitted to me then that, you know, he was in World War II as he came in at the end of World War II. And he had had, he was in a terrible plane accident. A lot of, a lot of things happened to him. And um, he said through the course of it all, he felt, and it finally had a, a label put on it, you know, in the 80s, but we were, you know, we were grown by then and um, of PTSD. And he said, you know, and it was like, and it was there all the time and it was boiling all the time. And he said, I felt, I, I felt like there was something living inside of me and I never knew when it was going to erupt. So he was very, he was, he was very violent. And I had a very close relationship with my dad. I loved my dad. He was like the, the sun rose and set on him as far as I was concerned. So in my life, you know, then once I went out into relationships with, with, with um, adult males, you know, I was just very forgiving of somebody who was violent or somebody that was mean because I liked something, I saw something in that person. And by looking at these stories, what I realized was my dad was very nurturing. As a little kid, I was sick a lot because I'm obviously fair-skinned and I had a ton of allergies and ear infections and everything all the time. And my mom was not a nurturer. My dad was the nurturer and he took care of me. So what I learned growing up then was that as long as somebody was nurturing and they said that they loved me, I could ignore everything else. Interesting. So... And these are the kind of things that, that we grow up with. And like I said, when that, that story that I was telling you, when I, I had a moment, when I realized I went back and I would always see this moment of walking across the field. And it was, it was around Easter time. So it was late March, early April. And we had been working in the house all day long. We were on break from school, walking across the field and it was misty raining had been pouring for days but the rain was kind of letting up and you know how when the sunbeams start coming in you know the clouds are still there the sun's behind it the sunbeams are coming down and they're so beautiful and when I came over the top of a little ridge there was a swamp there and the whole swamp 
was full of these beautiful yellow flowers. There were like springtime flowers. And, and so walking away from what was going on in the house and then walking across the field and feeling this beautiful, beautiful mist on my face and then coming over the hill and seeing these gorgeous yellow flowers. And I remember going and bending over the flowers for years. I could see it in my head, bending over these flowers. And I felt that God was there watching me. Because when I turned around, the sunbeams were all coming down right into the swamp. And I thought, I know that God is here and he doesn't want me to be hurt by what's going on. So I'm just going to focus on the focus on the good things. And, and that just became my habit then. So it was like, and what I learned was, you know, when I really started looking at it all, I wasn't living authentically because I wasn't standing up for myself, number one. I wasn't telling people what I was really thinking. And we can't be authentic in a relationship we're not being authentic with ourselves because we're squishing down our emotions. And then we know that emotions get packed into the body and they can make us sick. And so I wasn't living authentically with anybody. And that was the biggest aha. When I realized that, I think I cried for two days because I just thought to myself, oh my gosh. You know, because I had had people that would say to me, you're just the nicest person. But I just feel like I don't really know you. Like, what are you talking about? You're my best friend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So to have that realization, I suddenly saw what other people were seeing. So, and it was just like one of those, those moments of, oh my gosh, there's so many people that don't speak up that are not being authentic in their relationships with anyone because they're not being authentic in their relationship with themselves. They're making believe that everything's okay. They're making up a story that, you know, well, I'll talk about it tomorrow or, you know, I'm just going to put it sweep, sweep, sweep under the rug, as my friend always says. And we, we have to, we have to stand up not being like, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to tell you what I think. That's not what I mean at all. But like inside ourselves to just say, wait a second, this doesn't make me feel good. It makes me really uncomfortable. And then just to be able to talk about it, you know, like I've always said to people, I, I tend to, when things are upsetting to me, I tend to be quiet because I want to stop and think about it. I don't want to, I don't want to go and say something that I don't mean in a moment. Many times I'll stop and people will say, okay, you know, when they know me, I'll just say, look, you know, I, I'm tired. I, I need some time. I have to go home and think about something. And then to be able to come back and authentically say, this is how I feel about what happened or what was said or, you know, apologize for my part, in like being, you know, playing in that great role if there was something that I did. And to also be vulnerable enough to ask somebody, you know, how we just say, oh, yeah, well, I'm sorry. But to be able to say, please forgive me. Whoa. You know? 
that was really hard for me when I first started doing that. And I just challenged myself to do it, you know, to just, you know, please forgive me. Because when you say that, that person could say, no, I'm not going to. So, yeah. I got to tell you my appreciation for you just deepened tenfold. Oh, nice. Thank you. You said a few things in there, and this is not to make it about me, but some things that resonated. I'm going to see if I can unwind it. Uh, it might take a second for me to kind of unpack some of it. Okay. There's a first the thing about the generational trauma that, that came to light, as I think a lot of people don't account for, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate you sharing that. And it was what I really appreciate is how you didn't judge it. You acknowledged it. You saw it. There was empathy. But then you also detached yourself from saying, I don't have, like you said to yourself, you don't have to keep doing that to yourself. It's not like a foregone conclusion that you have to still be that way. I thought that was really powerful. And also your connection to nature. In the past few years, myself, I've, I've been spending a little more time outside and finding a far deeper appreciation because nature is a lot more artful. And my father and I just went away on a trip and I don't know if I remember I told you about it, but maybe we, maybe we had connected after I'd gone on my two week trip with my father out to the national parks. But I remember this, we took one of our, between our two, one of our stops, we had probably like a three or four hour drive. And I remember he said, it's like, not a bad ride through God's art gallery. My father's an artist. And I was like, you know, it's kind of exactly what it is. And, um, there is something special about it. I think not enough people, I think there's a deep disconnection from it right now. We reject it. There's dirt, there's bugs, there's yuckies, whatever they think that is, but there's something so, I don't even know the word. Profound is the only word that really comes, like spending time in the national parks for me, I was like, you look out at this stuff and you're like, holy shit. I always say human think, humans think they're so powerful. And then you go out in nature and you look like when I went out to um, Yellowstone with my son and he was studying geology at the time. And he was telling me how some of these formations, like I've always been, I've, like I said, I've always spent a lot of time in nature. I need to be near trees. I need to be near lots of you know, grass and deer and animals and everything. It's just part of who I am. And, and having him explaining to me how some of those things evolved and how they developed in Yellowstone. And I remember saying that to him because one night in the middle of the night, we had had a couple of beers and the beer, the, the bottles were on top of the refrigerator at night and all night long, it was going like the ground's moving constantly. And I said, the ground is moving all the time. We don't feel it because it doesn't move as much as it does there. And even there, we didn't feel it. And I said, I just said to him, I go, to to me, human beings think they are so smart and so powerful and so amazing. And we're we're like amazing God's amazing creatures on one hand, but holy mackerel, look at all of this. Look 
and appreciate it. And I'm always taking pictures when I walk and I'm posting them on Facebook all the time. This year it's been mushrooms because they're everywhere. But somebody said to me one day, I had been posting a series of pictures and they said, you live in such a beautiful world. And so I messaged her back and I said, so do you. I just record it. Yeah. People don't even take the time to look at it. Right. It's, it's, it's go find it. It ain't, it's actually not that expensive to go to the national parks. You can make right. it happen. You can mm-hmm. go make it happen. And it's so funny. We're talking about this last night. My wife and I watched big bang theory before we go to bed. And uh, I just turned to her and I'm like, isn't it insane that humans exist? And isn't it insane, insane that the universe is what it is? It's so vast. It's so massive. It's so expansive. It's so detailed and intricate and intertwined and beautiful. And we can't even, we can't even comprehend it. People try to put all these formulas and all these things and trying to like dilute it down to some simple equation and maybe they will, but it still doesn't like take into effect. Like our brain can't really wrap itself, like wrap itself around what is out there. It is mm-hmm. unreal. And for me, I'm thinking like we went, we started at Zion, then we went to Bryce, completely different, a couple hours away. Then we went down to what, uh, Moab and saw the mm-hmm. arches, completely different again. Then yeah. we went to the Grand Canyon, a few hours away, completely different again. And then we went to another one. I was like, these aren't that far away, yet they're so massively different. And this is so deeply beautiful. You don't really need to say anything. You can just yeah. be out there and be quiet. And you do feel connected to something bigger than yourself, which really does lead me to the next thing. And I think I shared this with you in our first conversation, but I, I in my life, spirituality was something and intimacy. That's the other piece I want to actually bring up. Intimacy is my greatest struggle in my life. Intimacy, both with myself. And I'm not talking sexual intimacy. I'm talking about right, what right. you said, connecting. Right. Having a real fucking conversation like we're right. having right now. Let's talk exactly. about the real, you know, we're bringing up spirituality and I'm saying, saying personally, I struggled deeply with it. I had a conversation with my mom, maybe three, four weeks ago. She was, I can't remember what the context of it was, but we started talking about God and um, she was kind of like in a, a moment or something. I was like, you need, you need me to clarify something for you? Like a few years ago that I decided I believed in it and I believed in God. I decided that she was like such at peace. She's like, you know, son, you're from a long line of atheists and this and that. And I'm like, okay. But like, I know I struggled with coming to terms with something bigger than me. And I, the term God is just what it is. And you used, you were perfectly, you described me like, what's the term you want to use for it? Go for it. Like, yeah, I, I'm not going to, I use the term for like simplicity's sake for people is co-worked. We know what we're talking about here. Right. Yep. But in this day and age, it's so taboo, at least in the circles I have run in, especially we're talking about that clinical world, mm-hmm. where it's so in the head, but lost in the heart. But that's like a whole big piece of us. It's huge. It's, it's, the, it's a massive. And like the, you talked about, we're, we're, we're physically sick because we're not connecting to that, whether we want to call it our purpose, our source, our whatever, we're, 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 
it's all trying to like, I'm trying to like define myself and put our, myself into this box of this is what society will say my identity is. And I fit into that perfect little narrative that goes along with it. But what you talked about, what if that feels really uncomfortable and that doesn't fit right? It might be close. For some people, it's real close and it's not enough to bother them enough. But I mean, I know for me, that didn't fit right for me. So what I really wanted to, like, I'm just going on this long diatribe about this to say, like, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable about that. Because again, I know I have been quite, I've felt very insecure at times talking about my exploration with my spirituality, what started after my father almost died, where saying like, wow, I'm really being confronted with my mortality right now. What does this all mean? How am I living my life? I might know a bunch of things about whether at the time I was owning a gym and the body and the process of programming and the, like, and I was just shining a shell. Mm-hmm. What was the substance we were touching base on, on inside? Like, yes, changing the outside can be very important, but if you're not enriching the inside at the same time, right. you're really just going to rot from the inside out again. And you're going to go back mm-hmm. to where you were before. It has to be this harmonious transformation. And what I really love about what you're talking about, that neuro-linguistic programming, where, again, the, the taboo side of what everybody thinks about it as is this manipulative, they think of tactics, they think of tools, and I'm just going to be used against me. Yeah, I guess maybe the insecure side of that, when I, you know, when I have empathy for people, is like, yeah. oh, you're afraid of looking inward. That's really what it is. You're afraid of like, well, what if you turn the tools on yourself? And what if you found peace? I find so many people are actually really afraid of, well, what if I don't have a problem anymore? Then what? Well, what is my, what's the meaning of my life? Like, I'm, I feel like I'm destined to have to struggle. Well, if I don't struggle anymore, do I, ha- do I not matter? Do I not matter to the people around me? Do I not, like, do I not get love anymore? Do I not get attention? It's, I mean, it's heartbreaking, but, you know, from what I hear from you, it's like, that's not the case. You actually find this love and abundance and it multiplies. Well, that's it. And like a perfect example of that is like my boys, like when, when my marriage broke up um, and my boys saw me struggling, you know, and I had decided that I wasn't going to date because I didn't want men coming and going and um, time went by. They saw me struggling with work. They saw me struggling with all these other things. And so I found it very fascinating when, and I would always say to them too, you know, I, I am not perfect. I'm trying so hard to be a good mom. And my son sent me a meme a couple of weeks ago and it said, you know, you would say I was trying to be a good, good mom. And, and I'm looking up at you thinking you're the best mom. But anyway, um, then, like I said, both of my boys are with women who were married before and have kids. And my husband's wife died. And I met him shortly after she died. They were childhood friends that grew up, got married, had a family. She died of cancer. And um, all these families have kind of come together. So I was laughing the last time we had a family gathering. I said, there's 17 of us, but there's only three that are blood, right? And and I I was so touched when my stepson came up to me and he goes, you know, you did all this because you worked so hard on yourself 
to try to understand love and try to understand relationships and try to understand communication that you were able to bring all this together. And I said, no, I can't take responsibility for that. My boys did it. He was like, yeah, but you set the example. And that, that really struck me because that's what it is. You know, we set the examples and other people see it. And, you know, in the meantime, because once you do come to a place of peace, then you want to spread it to other people. And, you know, you find different things to do with it because you've got lots of time because you don't have any drama in your life. And, and you feel good about everything you're doing rather than feeling like, oh, I had a bad day because he said this and then I told him that and then this happened and then she called, you know, how the stories go with people, right? And to be in that place of it's okay. You know, sometimes money's a little short. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's too hot in here. Sometimes it's not. And to just kind of learn to be more, more okay, because especially me, I'm a little on the impatient side. I'm like super motivated and, you know, kind of a determined person. I'm like, I need to do it. And to be able to come to that place where I was like, I'm doing this because I love to do it, because I have a passion for the work, because I have a passion for people. I, gen I genuinely love people and I always have. And I know a lot of people that say, how can you? I hate people. And that's because I don't know. You know, it's like, I see- the They could be argued they hate themselves. Well, exactly. And I said, I see the light in everybody. And, and it used to be that distracted me. And, you know, but then when you get to that point where you see the light in them, you recognize the behavior. You recognize finally, because that took me most of my life to figure out how to put down a boundary to be able to say, I'd like to help you, but you have to do your part. And because those of us who do more heart-centered work, you know, we want to give, give, give. And you get to that point where you say, no, there's got to be a boundary there because this is your work. I can't do it for you. In order for it to work, you have to be ready to do it. Because even with, with people that I work with, and I hate to call it coaching because so many people, you know, call, call what they're doing coaching and and I've worked with a number of people that I'll just say, you know, like after like a month, I think you're not quite ready. And they will agree. You know, I think you're not quite ready because they, I give people homework all the time too. So that this would to work on this or work on that. And how did you make out? Oh, well, you know, I didn't have time because I was like, okay, so. I don't want to take anybody's money unless I really feel as though they're getting something valuable out of it. And if they're not, then, okay, you'll come back when you're ready because now you know what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's also profound because it's, it's true. Like putting the boundary down, like I'm not going to work with you if you're not, if you're not going to do the work, well, you can't help them. Like it's part of the process. It's, you can open the door and give the tools and hold the space, but the transformation comes from doing it yourself and the realizations that come through the process of it. Exactly. And yeah, it, I mean, shit, it's scary. I'm not going to say it's not. 
Yep. You give me so many little gems and all this stuff that I'm having a hard time just like keeping them on. It's just, I really had, I agree with you. Like the, the coaching word is thrown around very loosely nowadays. It's like, it is what it is. It's just a word. People contextually seem like they understand it, but. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, we have to use that word so people know what we do because they understand what that means. And um, a lot of times I'll say, well, I'm a coach, but I'm really more of a mentor because I've been there. Yeah. Well, it makes it so much easier. Well, I would even say, I would go one step further until you've gone through a certain part of that life yourself, not to say it's an age thing, it's an experience mm-hmm. thing. I've grown through that obstacle. I've grown right. through that level of development. You cannot guide somebody else through it because you don't, you can't see it. You can't right. see where they're at and how can you appropriately ask the question that's, and that's all it really is. It's asking a question and then yeah. letting them find the answer. It's, it's never a tell, which that's where a lot of the coaching world gets things mixed up. It's like, I'm going to tell you what to do today. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to suggest yeah. you do some, I'm going to suggest this homework. I'm going to suggest this question, play with it. Let's right. see where it goes. You know, that's, and I think a lot of people get really uncomfortable. I think coaches themselves, well, who, I mean, the, the titular idea of a coach, the practitioner, I think a lot of people get very uncomfortable because that's not defined. It's not like this is the clear path. It's like, you're right. going to ask a question and you're going to sit in an uncertain space for an undetermined period of time while somebody works through stuff. And it's probably going to not feel good. It's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel foreign. Right. And that's hard from what you were talking about for a, a heart centered person. There's that, there's that caretaker or caregiver right. vibe. I should say the bleeding heart is, but the problem is to jump in cripples the person from the growth. And long-term, it's a long-term disservice by not allowing them to, we're going to say the word hurt or suffer or feel pain for relatively a short period of time, comparatively to what it could be. So uh, I lost my train of thought on this because there's so much, so many beautiful things you brought to light today. That's just why people don't understand (laughs) Right, right. It, it, it's it's a scary thing because ultimately it's like, well, I'm gonna go ask for help, and I'm gonna go approach these people, and I'm gonna I'm gonna open up my world to somebody. I'm gonna let people ask me uncomfortable questions. I mean, theoretically, you could do it yourself, theoretically, but there's some which this brings it to another level, and I would dare even say it's spiritual in nature because the connection, the human connection, is it's not even physical. We're like, we're talking and we're exchanging energy. We're not even in the same, are we even in the same state? I forget. Are we even in the same state? I don't think we are, but there's an energy right now. I'm in New York. I'm in New York. Oh yeah, me too. I'm in Malden bridge, which is down near Chatham. Okay. So we're, we're towns away. We're miles away. Yeah. But I know right now I feel depth. I feel warmth. I feel connectedness. I feel, I feel like something higher than and bigger than us is like, helping this facilitate this. And I, and I really hope anybody who listens to this is like, Oh shit, you can have a real conversation with people. Now there's a lot of, a lot of pe- hurt people out there who are just continually hurting people, but that's not everybody. Maybe the attention right. gets put on that. My, uh, I guess, fundamentally what I aspire aside from just being genuinely curious and loving, listening to 
insights like you've shared today, like selfishly, selfishly, this is just fun for me to listen because I'm like, I like to learn stuff. Cool. Yep, this too. is a simple way to learn about people. Like let's talk and help people get, you know, share the share their love with the world. But like on a bigger picture, it's like, oh, like hopefully people realize there is genuine love and help and support out there. There's, there's really good people or people that are in a place that are at peace enough and, and, and operate from integrity and love that are there when you need it. And if you're yeah. willing, if you're willing to use the word before, be vulnerable, let your guard mm -hmm. down, open yourself to that. There's a really powerful world on the other side of it. It's explicitly from just your own sharing of your own personal story. Like that's what I find the most powerful about that. Like that vulnerability is so beautiful in and of itself without yeah. anything else. It's beautiful. Right. And even like, I, I would say at this point in my life, I'm in a pretty good place. And, but for me, one of the hardest things for me to do is connect with anger. And I'm going somewhere with this story. Mm. I have a hard time getting angry about anything. And as, as you know, a couple times, two or three times in my life, when I was working with a counselor, and they would say, well, aren't you angry about that? And I'd be like, no, I don't think so. I think maybe I'm sad. I think maybe, you know, like going through this whole thing. And because I really thought about it. You know, am I, am I, am I angry? So I was doing a healing session with someone around, cause I do healing sessions as well. And we were doing it around blockage. Like she had like this blockage. And so I had found this very cool thing that I could do with her. And, um, and whenever I'm doing a session with anyone, I'll say, you know, if you would bless me as you're blessing this person. So when we finished the session, she was like, I feel so blocked. I even have pressure in my head and was like, well, it's, it's coming up. So be prepared, right? So the next day or two days later, something happened and I got mad. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh. I said, I kept feeling like there was something in my body. I was, what, am I depressed? You know, like I, I had been feeling a little not myself. And um, suddenly, because I was telling her about it later. So I was like, thank you for this. This anger started coming up and I was actually able to process it. And I'm talking about from stuff that happened years ago. And, and I was cleaning my house, like my house in the middle of a construction project was like so clean because that's where I throw my energy. What if I do get angry? And it was the weirdest thing because everybody's got something that they have difficulty connecting with. Like some people have difficulty connecting with tears. But the point of, of just sharing this quickly was that once I was, I got, it went on for two days where I was angry for two days and I love Kundalini yoga. And like at the end of it, I kept thinking, I can't believe there's anything more in these Kundalini exercises to help you release anger. And, um, and I felt so good. And I felt like myself again. I was like, whoa, that was all 
coming up and it just all got released probably when I was doing, cause I asked for the blessing when I was doing that to help her and it all just kind of came up and bubbled up. I was even yelling at the sun. My husband thought I was crazy. <laughs> I was like, we need clouds, bring some clouds. You know, I was like, just so aggravated about everything, but it felt good. And a lot of times people like we have to process through those things in order to take it up one more level. And that's kind of how I felt. Like when I got done with the whole thing, I thought, I think my, my self-development just went up a step because that's no longer in my body. Mm. And it feels so good to have connected to it and get rid of it and it's gone. So, and then she was telling me that she, cause she was here uh, yesterday and, and she was saying, oh my gosh, I started having all these breakthroughs and all this stuff came through. And all of a sudden I was able to cry the ugly cry, not like, you know, she goes, I was always one for just wiping my eyes, an ugly cry, like all this stuff started coming up. And I was like, Hey girlfriend, we did that together. <laughs> but to be able, we have to process this stuff because we do have to get it out of our bodies. And I think it's super important and a lot of people don't understand that that sadness and things like I have a friend and he's been having all these issues with um I think his body has gotten acidic and I said to him I said what what are you what anger are you holding because you know in Chinese medicine you hold that in your liver and gallbladder or whatever and he goes, well, you know, I've, I've been a little aggravated about this and that. And I'm like, well, you need to get it out of your body. And then last night, he sent me this big, long text about how angry he really is and what he's and, and how he's trying to process this anger. And I said, and then, you know, I'll, I'll, I had done a little research for him for food, but I was like, just go out and find some things. You have to start cleansing your body to get that out. But anyway, that's what I'm saying. Even when you get to a point, you feel like you're sort of at peace and you feel like you're in a good place. There's always something because we're sort of like onions, you know, and just keep peeling off and you think that you're done and suddenly something else comes up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and being okay with it when it happens. I think there's a couple interesting things in there that come to mind because I think a lot of people have a tough time wrapping their head around trapped emotions in their body causing physical pain. And the way I like to describe it is you can just look at somebody and be like, they look stressed out because what is What is the look of stress look like? Shrugged shoulders, shoulders yep, yeah. jaw, yeah. jaw. So ironic, ironic. And I feel for my friend so much. He's like, he was just telling me hey, the other day is like, Hey man, like I've been having, I was like fainting I and mean, I was like dizzy and fainting. Cause I was just dealing with anxiety and I was clenching my jaw. My TMJ was so bad. I was getting fainting spells. And it was like, well, it's tied up with exam. I was like, oh, wow. Like people don't think about how exhausting, like it, it, doing it as a one-off, whatever. But what you're talking about, the trapped, if you're not actually allowing yourself to feel that and express that, it will stay there and you'll just hold on to it. It just, it's like you just have strapped a book bag to your shoulders and said, like, I'm just going to keep carrying this weight, that holding that tension. And people think that the body is just like, oh, if I bend my arm, I'm just doing only my bicep curl. Like, and that's not the way things work. Our body is what we call a, for anybody 
well, it's like a really sciencey term called a tensegrity, where everything is all connected. You don't just move one thing, it affects something else in the rest of your body. While that sounds wild, having worked with many medical practitioners at this point, like it's a real thing. I've watched somebody like yep. scrape somebody's calf for a second and their shoulder pain goes away. Wild stuff. Yep. Um, that's super powerful. I think there's also something deeper within when you said it, when you allowed yourself to, to connect to anger. And I think this is a really humane way of, of looking at this, especially when a lot of people think of like anger, oh, anger's bad. No, anger is an emotion. And it's part of like, emotions are part of the human experience. And in my estimation, to deny yourself the opportunity to feel doesn't, feeling something is different than acting upon it and knowing how to direct that behavior. Like those are different, different things. Mm -hmm. Feeling it, understanding it, and then going through that. The same way you, you, you talked about earlier about stepping, like detaching from the thing and becoming the observer well, then you can move on from it in a productive way, not a way that resorts itself to, to well, let's call it violence or uh, volatile expressions of, 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 of behavior. Like that's, mm-hmm. And there's a whole litany of different things that that can express as. It's not, it's not always that. It could be depression and like cowering from things or you know, name your thing. But I just thought that story was so powerful that allowing yourself to go through these things and, and, and people don't really think of them. I've always, I've said this, quite a few times, I think of the body as a tuning fork. Feel it for a second. It's like, feel it for a second. If it Mm -hmm. feels out of whack, it's you're out of tune. You retune your guitar before you start playing again. People just be like, I'm going to bury it. I'm going to just go a thousand miles an hour. And you talked about it before, like I'm impatient. Well, that's like uh, attaching ourselves to identities, right? Like I'm impatient. So like, I got to go a thousand miles an hour. I saw it in the fitness world all the time. I'm strong. I'm intense. I'm whatever. I'm hardcore. I just keep going. And they would just run their body into the ground. And it's easy to see physically in a fitness space where I've learned a lot of like bigger lessons about life and business and relationships, just through watching, watching a song and dance unfold in front of me in a room full of people exercising and sweating. Because it it wasn't that it was dropping one more at like a stimulus of stress. And then seeing how people dealt with it. And some people were like, oh, cool. Like I'm in a good place because I'm in harmony with myself and I know how to regulate based off the other stress. And other people would just be like burying it. I'm angry. They try to run. Like, I just need to burn it off as opposed to, let me just feel it today. Let me be in touch with my body. You know what? Maybe instead I'm just going to like, I'm going to walk. The, 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 the ego was so fragile. Like it didn't want to do resort itself to saying that because it was so wrapped up in the, in the, in the, the idea of what that identity is. I am this, yeah. a surface level thing, which is really put into a package by society, which is really the, the you're talking about like up until you're seven or however long you want to talk about where your, your ideas are being framed by somebody else's definition of what good, bad, right, wrong, success, all those things. And then I brought it back one more second. Like when you talked about your family before this, this blended family of so many different people, yet only three are blood, whatever that means. Like, but to, I heard success. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might not say that, answer, but you're, you're happy. And the people that are part of that are happy. It doesn't have to always look the way everybody else decided it was going to. You right. can still find happiness and peace and love in many different ways. And it, 
and what it really sounds like to me when I hear the whole story put together is when you truly put all the labels and the dogmas and all the other things and all those other stories that had been compiled up, whether it's from generational traumas or societal implications or whatnot, and you really connected to your values and what was really, what was really true to you with your heart and with your, your spiritual connection and all those things. Well, guess what? Your feelings of success came to realizations. Like, yeah, because for me, family is so important. Mm-hmm. And we do these family dinners. We, we call them family dinners, but they end up being family days. And, um, and we've just been adding people to them, you know, as time has gone by. And it's always just so much fun when everybody gets together. And I remember one year at Thanksgiving, it was like three, four years ago, my my younger son's stepson, who at the time was probably 12 or 13, he said, oh, we forgot to do gratitudes at Thanksgiving because we always do gratitudes. You know what he said? And I was so touched by it. He said, I am grateful for this family because everybody just likes each other and there's no drama. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Because hey. I grew up in such a drama-ridden family, and I would always say, "There's no drama in this." I mean, as my kids were growing up, this is not about drama. This is about this or this, you know. So it it so made me laugh, and I was thinking, my son must have said that somewhere along the line to them. Well, no drama. We don't want any drama. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it just struck me so funny, especially coming from like a a thirteen year old, like somebody like that age. I, I had to laugh. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. It's so cute. Thank you so much for everything you've been sharing with us. And I only have one more question today and it happens okay. to be my favorite question. You already gave some very unique answers to the very few questions I had. It's my favorite one. What is your purpose? My purpose, I believe, is to help people connect to themselves to kind of lead them to their own victories like or more like walk with them to their own victory because I don't want to lead anybody I want them to find it themselves and for me because I've thought about this a lot and that's that's what I feel I think that all the things that I've done and the things that I've learned and been through and what I've taken away from those things I know that people with a little bit of help can have an amazing life because they really learn how to love themselves and that's why my book that's coming out in October that subtitle is called a the book is let my legacy be loved but the subtitle is A Shortcut to Self-Loving. And somebody asked me, they said, oh, really, self-loving? And I said, yeah, because self-loving, it's a continuous process. You know, people's like, oh, they talk about self-love. But it really is loving. It's, it's a process, right? And it's, it's a verb. It's moving. It's constantly developing, in my mind. And I think that it's, it's such a big thing and we don't think, we don't think about that. 
It takes practice, practice, practice. I always tell people there's there's actually three P's in NLP. It's neural linguistics programming, and it takes practice, practice, practice. Uh, <laughs> and it never ends. And it, it doesn't. Never end. It never ends. Life Nor is a learning process. Well, that's the other P. And the fourth P. There you go. It's a process. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's an en endless process. Yeah. But I think you have to look at it as being fun, even when it's, you know, when you're having a hard time, when you get on the other side of it and you say, oh man, I got through that. Go me. That's what I'll say. I go, go me, you know, and kind of make it like a little bit more fun. <laughs> I love that you celebrate yourself with that because why not? Right. Why not? Right. It's a, it's we celebrate it. other people. Why do we not celebrate ourselves? Like. It's craziness. It's craziness. Yeah. Well, my dear, I hope all, I know I found a lot of value just in this conversation. I just, I got to tell you this. I've known you what, a month and a half? Yeah, probably. I sincerely love you. I want to, you okay. know that like this was a very, when we get off camera and off air, whatever you want to call it, I'm going to share some more things because it's just not appropriate for this uh, time, but you shared some things that were very important to me. And it made me think about a lot of people that I really love and your courage and your openness and your vulnerability. I know I'm reiterating what I was saying before, but thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Like I said, this, this feeds me like these type of conversations, they, they just feed me and it makes me feel even better when somebody takes something away from it that is, is resonating with them and touching them so thank you oh you you deserve to know how how fantastic you are and that's again it's been what three conversations together really two and a yeah. half and here we yeah, are <laughs> for anybody who's listening to this and it's like wow i, I want to go on that journey i want to follow that beautiful path with her because i'm ready to, i'm ready to take some ownership over this what would be the best way for somebody to connect with you they can either connect with me on Facebook. It's like, my name is kind of hard to spell. So, and that's a little bit tougher, but it's Christina Boschman and it's B-E-A-U-C-H-E-M-I-N. Or my website is letmylegacybelove.com. That's a little easier to remember. I'll put all, of, <laughs> I'll put all of them in the show notes. Do you have a, aside from Facebook, you have Instagram or anything else like that? LinkedIn? Yeah, or? I have Instagram as well. Christina Boschman. I'm on LinkedIn. Christina-Boshaman okay. um, on LinkedIn. I'm going to put all of those there. Is there a link yet for your book? Um, no, because it's not out yet. It's okay. coming out on October 4th. This is one of the ARCs. You know, they give you a few to try to get into libraries and bookstores. And I love stuff. the cover. I love, I the, love cover. the cover. It's cute. The artist that did this, she said she just was inspired by the name and she did it in paint in watercolors. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Gonna, I thought oh. it was very cool. When I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm liking that. I'm, I'm going to get a copy and I want, I want a signed copy. I want to feel special. So oh, nice. a, there we go. Perfect. You let me know when that, when it's all ready to go, obviously just post it online. I have quite a few friends writing books right now. And um, cool. it's a, it's a joy to, to be able to one, support my friends and and to just hear their thoughts, like it's the most beautiful way to time travel and to like get ideas and inspiration from like forever. 
Yeah. So it's, yep. it's powerful. So I will yeah, make sure to put you. your contact information in the show notes. So anybody who's listening, that will be the best way to um, just follow that, follow the yellow brick road. Um, and uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share? Any insights, any, anything else you want to share with the, the listeners right now? Well, I have one thing and it's a quote that I absolutely love. And I made a little bookmark that will go in the books when I get them up. Um, and it's, it's a C.S. Lewis quote. And it says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And when I found that quote a couple of years ago, I said, that says everything. I loved it. I can't think of a better way to conclude an episode. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mess it up. I'm gonna leave it <laughs> on that beautiful note. Thank you to all our listeners. I thank you, Christina, for being so fantastic. Thank and, you. And to all, to everybody else until next time, much love. Thank you.